Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. You could take the end of it and go like this and flap it. Not with my record, you couldn't. And it? I would smack you. Class is in. Rock School Radio Show and the Rock School Radio Network. I'm Joe Burns, broadcasting from the great state of Louisiana, and so are you. Yes, I am. Who are you? I am Tammy Burns. This is your topic again today. Yes. I didn't say it, but last week was your topic as well. You're you're a machine, darling. Well, you know, you gotta let it flow. Yeah, you are a machine. Hey, you audience members, you. How many of you owned a K-Tel record when you were growing up? How many did you own? Oh, a lot. I know. So did I. I can't imagine not having K-Tel records. As a matter of fact, I, I probably had, of, of any, if you took it K-Tel as its own artist, yes. I probably had more K-Tel records than any other single artist. You think about it, Van Halen at the time I was collecting records probably had six albums. I probably had 10 or 15 KTEL records because they were cheap. They were. They were all like $7.99. And the the albums were so colorful. And they were, well, cheap. I don't know how else to say it. I know, but it was like a piece of art screaming at me when I went into the store. Buy me. And and it wasn't a record store either. No, it was not. You bought them at a department store or a hardware store. I think it was even in like one of those... Threw together some, you know, box not not boxes. What did they throw together? Like some card, this cardboard thing, and they just stuck them in there. Right, or they put them in something that was specifically built for it. Yeah. It was a wooden crate, like at Peaches Record Store or something but like that. But you could see the front of the album, and it would just scream at you, "Buy me, buy me!" Right, and they would run commercials constantly with that guy who was speaking, but half. Yelling, I guess. You know, New from KTEL, 20 top hits from the greatest artists of the day. You had to have it. I'm turned on. There wasn't really a new KTEL album or an old KTEL album. It was just another compilation. I know. So, we were talking about Rhino Records, mm-hmm. and we may do a show on Rhino Records. Okay. But that got into the concept of we started looking up Rhino Records, and you said, but that's not what I'm thinking of. That's yeah. not the whole thing. And I looked at you, and I went, do you mean KTEL Records? That was it. Boom. And we ran into online, and you can watch it online for free. It's on YouTube in three sections. It's called As Seen on TV, The History of KTEL. And the record section is only part of it because they also had those things like the the, the Vegomatic, the the Dialomatic, the Feather Touch Knife. I'm reading them here. The uh, what else was wildly popular here? The the thing, the Miracle Brush. Oh yes. That all. But the thing is, it was the records that everybody who was into music knew about. So for an hour today, let's talk about the records. Let's do it. Where did they come from? How was he able to do it? How in the world could you go into a record store and it would cost you 8 9 $10 
to buy the latest record, which only had eight songs to 12 songs on it. Right. But you could go into the Ben Franklin or the Kmart and buy the latest KTEL record and it had 20 songs on it or 24. I know, I know. How is that possible? And it was $3 cheaper. We're going to tell you. We tell you exactly how it was all put together and how you were able to spend it and do that way. So we need a playlist today. Okay, how were we able to how, do that? How did you get this? What I did is I went on and I simply searched KTEL 1970s rock records oh. and I found Full Tilt Rock and KTEL Rock Collection spelled with a K. Yay! So everything we're going to play today is from one of those two rock records from KTEL, which were $7.99, by the way. How do I know? It was stamped right on the crappy cardboard that they were in. And this is from it. It's the Knack, my Sharona, here on Rock School. Talking KTEL, specifically KTEL Records here on Rock School today. Philip Kivas. That's the guy who, obviously his last name is spelled with a K. Yeah. KTEL. What's the tell? Television. Because the reason KTEL succeeded was because this guy, Philip Kivas, did most of his advertising on television. This guy was a pitch man. There's no two ways about it. You know, hi, I'm Billy Mays for what have you. He was like the first pitch man, right? You got it. And a lot of people say that he is the first man to create an infomercial because he wasn't purchasing just 30 second or one minute time spans. Mm -hmm. He was purchasing three and five minute time spans because what he did when he got started, he was selling door to door pots and pans. He was one of those guys who would knock on the door. But he got really good at it when he went out into the country, in the city, which, by the way, was Winnipeg, Canada. Yeah. When he was in the city, he said, and this is all in the documentary we told you about, when he was in the city, he could not sell them. Those people all had pots and pans. So what he did is he went out into the rural areas. And he also found in the rural areas that there were a whole lot of carnivals and fairs and such. So he set up these booths to show people what these pots and pans would do. And he sold them, I mean, hand over fist to the point where he was sub-hiring people to resell these pots and pans. And he would go around in this big Cadillac DeVille, and if anybody said anything, you know, gee, you're driving a very nice car. Yeah, you don't need the money. That's the boss's car. He let me use it for the day. He always had an answer, and he was just one of these people that understood how to sell. Today, Teflon pans are sort of common practice. They're everywhere. Everybody has them. Yeah. When Teflon pans first came to Canada, it was this guy, Philip Kivas, that was given the contract to sell them. And he did. He got a contract with a major retailer in Winnipeg, Canada. And what he did is he took the order, went to a bank, said, look, I've got an order for this many pots and pans that are all covered in this Teflon. Yeah. Would you give me a loan against this big order of Teflon pans? They did. Took the money, went to a television station, bought five minutes of airtime, did an infomercial, which is nothing more than his carny pitch. Right. 
Then when the carny pitch was over, he ran to the place, the, the department store, and waited for people to come buy it. <laughs> and they did. Oh, yes. Women flew there. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. And when he finally said, no, this isn't, this isn't, I don't feel like going to carnivals anymore, he starts his own company called KTEL, doing exactly this, selling all these weird little products made by Seymour Popeil. Remember Ron Popeil oh, with the pocket fisherman? absolutely, yeah. This is his father, Seymour Popeil. And they're doing the dialomatic and the vegomatic and the feather touch knife, like I said, and the choppers and all that kind of stuff. And this is what he's doing. He's making money hand over fist, selling all these stupid little gadgets that you didn't know you needed, that you don't need, but you know what? For $2.99, $1.99, $3.99, I do it. And he is a multi-jillionaire. There you go. That's who he is. That's where he came from. That's the backstory. I like him. There's a little more to it, but that's the backstory. Now let's talk about where the music comes from. But first, let's play a song. I'll do it. He looks at his list. Oh, how about this one? In Cars. Gary Newman on Rock School. Okay, the guy, he, Philip Kivas, is doing very well with KTEL products. He probably has at any one point in time juggling upwards of 50 different products that he's selling. Products or gadgets? Well, gadgets. Things you don't really need, but gosh, for a couple of dollars, why not? I'm willing to uh, to give you $2 for something I don't need. For right. Every plastic. Everything from when you push a button, a cigarette pops up. <gasps> Ooh, I to, want that. Right. To a thing that will tell you the moisture in your flower pots. Ooh. To every slicer and dicer and thousands of julienne fries. He is making a ton of cash to the point where he has already sold 28 million of his Miracle Brush. The Miracle Brush, just for the sake of argument, the Miracle Brush sells for $2.99. It costs him less than a dollar to manufacture it. Yeah. So there's, I mean, just start to do the mathematics of it. It's spinning. It's, wow. There's a ton of cash. So somebody suggests, and I don't know who it is, they don't mention it in either the documentary or what I read online. Mm -hmm. Somebody suggests, hey, why don't we sell music? People like, everybody likes music. Yeah. Let's sell music. So here's what Kivas does. In 66, 1966, he grabs 25 country songs and puts them on an album called 25 Country Hits. I searched. Please feel free to search. I went to the KTEL site. I went to um, record collector sites. I went to everywhere I could even conceive to try to find what the lineup of the song were, what the, what the album was. What songs did you choose? I could not find it. If you can find it, you're a better man than I am, Gungadin. So here's what he did, was take these 25 songs, compiled them onto a country CD, and then released it. 5,000 of them. Now here's the thing, he didn't put them into, as we said earlier in the show, we didn't, he didn't put them into record stores. He already had contracts with Kmart's, Ben Franklin's, Five and Dimes, those kind of things. He also had contracts with hardware stores. 
So what he did was he created what they call end caps now. At right. the at the end of an aisle. Yeah, that's where I remember it. Right. Instead of putting them on the aisles with all the hammers, he just put records at the end of it. So instead of going into a, a tower records or what have you, you went to buy his stuff where you bought his other stuff. And in days, literal days, all five thousand are gone. Bang. So this thing's a hit. There's only one problem. He didn't realize that you had to get permission. You had to get licenses. Oops. You had to get, in many cases, the artist's permission it's to do it. It's good to not know, isn't it? Yeah, it's, they say, what, is it better to do and apologize than to get permission? Yes. Well, he went forward with it. Well, here comes the hot and happy lawyers. We'll tell you what happened with it. One more from the album. What's this one from? Full Tilt Rock. Well, you're darn right it's from Full Tilt Rock. Here you go. It's Genesis. Misunderstanding as we talk KTEL on Rock School. Coming into the first break, as I said, the guy from KTEL, Philip Kivas, didn't get any releases for the songs. Well, here come the lawyers. And here comes the checkbook. Because what Kivas did was basically say, look, I'm really sorry. I didn't know I was supposed... He's a salesman. Yeah. Look, I'm really sorry. I didn't know I was supposed to do this. But did you guys realize that all 5,000 copies went bingo bango and they were gone? I'm making money and I'm willing to share. Sure, let's do this again. What do you say, fellas? What do I owe you? How do we do this? So apparently, and this is this is brought up in the documentary, and it's really clever the way he did it. Guys, what do I owe you? Oh my goodness! So the lawyers went, oh, uh, this much. Okay, what do I what do I need to sign? Because let's do it again. This was yeah, this is great. Yeah, this is a dandy. We're we all gotta, making money here. We got to do this. And the artists and the the people who were in charge of publishing, they wanted to do it again. Nobody had to record a new song. Nobody had to do anything, nothing. They had to do nothing, and money rolled in. Now, it's made very clear that there are some artists that simply didn't want to have anything to do with k mm-hmm. They were above it. Uh, the two that were mentioned were the Eagles and uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Right. They just didn't want to be in this. They wanted to stay on their own, and that's fine. But hundreds and hundreds of artists wanted to be on yeah. it. He said that it was nothing for an artist to get a check for $10,000 from KTEL. Oh. For doing nothing. Just saying, yeah, you can put my song on some of your collections, and off it went. And lots of those people hadn't made a lot of money with their songs anyway. Right. As they said, a lot of these people were in the eighth or the ninth inning of their career. Yeah. So, okay. Fine. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, lovely. Elton John apparently was a huge fan, and he was not in the eighth or ninth inning of his career. But he understood people want the music. There you go. And so he said, that's fine. It was nothing for these guys to put out an album and for 5,000 to go a day. Wow. Which was something else. And, and this is what's kind of hard to believe by today's standards, because today, how many compilation albums can you buy? Just those silly, now that's what I call music CDs that are out there. The kids bop CDs. Yeah. The greatest hits of the 70s. The greatest hits of what have you. The best of Motown. 
Those are all compilation CDs. Before 1966 and before the people of KTEL, that had never been done before. There was never a compilation disc ever. The, only, the closest you got to a compilation disc was sort of a Broadway red label that was sung by multiple people that were inside of a Broadway show. Right. That's as close as you got. Or like a live cut of these seven or eight jazz artists live at the Philharmonic. Right. That's as close as you got. This was the first time somebody said, and it was just brilliant stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea he wasn't supposed to do it. And it became now a, a, a commonplace thing. And he found out that people wanted it. And what's funny about it is that you would think as soon as it happened, the record companies would go, well, we got to do this. He, the guy from KTEL, yeah. Kivas, he said he owned the market for four years. What were they thinking? I don't know. For four years, nobody did this at all. He held it. He just simply did it. And he kept waiting for somebody to come in and, you know, wave over top of him. Nothing. For four years, he held the market. The dude didn't sleep for four years and thinking that this was going to happen. What's even funnier is the next person to come in and do it was uh-huh. this other little startup called Ronco. Who? Who? Who's listening to us? Oh, that would be KSRQ in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Yes, it is. Get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show. We'll be back in a minute to tell you just a little bit more. How in the world do you get 25 songs on an album? Well, you cheat. Back in a minute on Rock School. Question. You buy a KTEL album that has 24 songs on it, or 20 songs. Right. Yet all other record albums have 10 to 12. How are they able to do it? I don't know. Simple. What they did was the songs that they had licensed, they cut them or they edited them. So if a song. And I didn't care? <laughs> most people didn't. Blatantly. I didn't even know? No. What they did was an audio engineer decided that each song had to be X number of seconds long. An album only has so much time on each side. Yeah. Approximately 24 minutes. So you have X number of minutes, X number of seconds. If you take each song and you fade it out or you edit it so the song is, say, 2 minutes and 45 seconds, now you know how many songs you can put on a side. And then you can just neatly stack them in there like Legos. And by doing that, 24 songs fit, 12 per side. That's how they're able to do it. Because I never even thought about that. Right, because an Eagles song, they don't care that all their songs are the same length. Whatever length the song comes out when it's well, done. Well, they have to be happy that the Eagles didn't want to go with them. My but, gosh, every song is like, what, 10 minutes long? <laughs> but by doing this with KTEL, they could... They could get all those songs on there by editing them. And you think to yourself, people must have been upset. No. No, I've never even heard of anyone saying anything. No, they just edited them down and people did not care. Which by today's standards, when you look at somebody and you know, you can't like that MP3. You can't like that. You've got to like what people don't care. People just don't care. They Good point. They like, you know, as long as I can hear it, I'm fine. 
Okay, we gotta do one to the bottom of the hour. Once again, from a wonderful rock album by K-Tel. Here you go, Devo. Whip it. Whip it good on Rock School. know what caused KTEL records to also give people problems? When you jam all that music on there, the cut that goes into an album. You yeah. know, if anybody ever says to you, how many grooves are on one side of an album? Right. One. There's one groove. It starts at the end and it just keeps going all the way in. Oh, okay. I would have said six. No, there's one groove the whole okay. way through. The thing is, the more music you put on it, the more audio you put on it, the closer the grooves must be to one another. Yeah. So if you put like only five songs on there, the grooves are substantially farther apart from one another. Right. And there's vinyl in there. Mm -hmm. So you don't have any what they call ghosting. You don't have that the track on either side of it sort of bleeding through. And furthermore, the reason a record skips is because the the track there's a sort of a wall there and if the wall collapses at all because it's thin because yes. you put it the record will skip and go to the next track or gotcha. go to the next groove that's the reason you get a record skip and ktel records were known for skipping because they jammed so much music onto it i thought it was just because my my sister put it back in the cover too hard you oh, know no. or your fingernail or you stack them up six tall on that spindle and they would slap down on top of one another nice love that bottom of the hour i'm joe burns you are i am tammy burns let's do the dates for seven days 70 seconds here they are september 12 all the way through september 18th you got monday tammy go september 12 2006 marianne faithful announces she has breast cancer seven weeks later she says she's made a full recovery september 13 1965 the beatles win their first Grammy for Best New Artist and Best Album for Hard Day's Night. September 14, 2007, the Beatles-inspired movie Across the Universe opened. September 15, 1980, David Bowie debuts on Broadway in The Elephant Man. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. That'll be my birthday. September 16, 1993, Janet Jackson appears shirtless on the cover of Rolling Stone. Wait a second, her arms are in the air yes. with her boobs you supported said boobs. by a pair of hands that belong to her husband. You've is not it, seen that famous is it picture? Renee Elizondo? I think it's Rennie Elizondo. Is it Rennie? But yeah, she's holding her arms up in the air and he's acting as her brazier. Oh my god, I You've just not said seen this? Yes, you did. September seventeenth, okay. nineteen thirty one, RCA Victor unveils its new invention, the thirty three and a third RPM, long playing LP. September 18th, 1956, rock shows are banned at the U.S. Naval Station in Newport, Rhode Island after a fight breaks out at a Fats Domino concert. Always. Of all people Always. to riot over. Let's get back to talking KTEL. Let's do it. Furthermore, remember KTEL records were always cheaper yeah. than every other record. How were they able to do that? Well, remember talking about the magic lint brush? Two ninety nine. Yes. It costs two ninety nine, but it yeah. costs less than a buck to make. Okay. Well, if they're selling an album for five ninety nine or six ninety nine or seven ninety nine, it better cost a heck of a lot less to make. How'd they do it? Well, the cheapest cardboard you could buy, number one, 
they like you say that your sister put the record in too hard mm-hmm. the thing is the cardboard wasn't meant as a protectorate at all it was just to hold the graphics it was the cheapest cardboard you could buy it was recycled cardboard wasn't probably it? Mm-hmm. furthermore they didn't use what's known as virgin vinyl Ooh. they used recycled vinyl and it wasn't 180 gram vinyl either. They used less vinyl, so the vinyl record wasn't as thick. It was what's known as flappy. You could take the end of it and go like this and flap it. Not my, with my record, you couldn't. <laughs> and it, I would smack you. That's true, but if you did flap it like that, it would go like a bird's wing. Did you do that? Of course. Oh. Sure, snap it off if you did it hard enough. So there's how he saved money even more. If you bought a KTEL record, you were not buying a collector's item. You were buying something that was disposable. You were to listen to it for a while and then go buy another one. Mm. They were never meant to be a permanent part of your record collection. However, don't you wish you still had them? I do. I do too. Got to play another one from a KTEL album. What do you say we do? Uh, what do I want to hear? How about Cool to be Kind? Nick Lowe here on Rock School. are sitting there as we come into the second break you are sitting there going through google images looking at the front and back covers of ktel compilation albums i am steaming there at are... your at your choice of music today why because i god why because i could have picked they have genres in in country in disco you, in what have you you chose poorly I chose rock because the name of the show is Rock School. Don't ever tell me that, let's see, Hot Chocolate, remember them? Come on. Paper Lace, Elton John. What's the name of that compilation disc that you're looking at right now? It's a two-album set, mister. Oh, well, there you go. It's called Super Hits of the Superstars. Oh, well, very nice. Original Hits, Original Stars, as advertised on TV. Oh, love it. KTEL and in stereo. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And it can, no, 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 listen. It yeah. can be played. Oh, it can be played on mono, it says. Oh, Remember wow. the little button that you oh, never sure. knew what to do with? Well, oh, you probably sure. did because you're, yeah. you're like, you know, shaking the record and everything. But anyway, you're, go ahead. You're an audio jerk. Arr. By the way, not only was KTEL the first to sell a compilation album, they were the first company to take a compilation disc to number one. In fact... In the late 1960s, KTEL held the number one, the number three, the number four, and the number five spot on Billboard's album chart. I don't know why they didn't have number why two Why not as number well. two? I don't know. Because they didn't want to be number two? I guess not. The, the company held, much like the Beatles held the top five spots, these guys almost held the top five spots. Can you imagine on, working there at that time? It that, had to be It great. had to be glorious. It had to be absolutely great. Now here's one more neato thing that the company did. Not only did they license the music, but they had a group of people that searched out artists who had been dropped by the record company. In the documentary, as seen on TV, the KTEL story, they talked with B.J. Thomas, as in Hooked on a Feeling, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Yes. They talked to B.J. Thomas about this. If you had been dropped by your record company... 
what they, KTEL, did was hire you onto their record company. Now, they could have cared less about any new songs. They did not want you to, hey, I've got 10 new songs. Who cares? Right. Give us the hits. Right. They wanted you to re-record your own hit and make it sound as much like the old hit as humanly possible. Absolutely. Then, once you re-recorded the hit, KTEL owned the new hit. And you were getting money for it. The right. artists were not upset about this. No. And you think to yourself, well, not a lot of people are going to do that. Really? How about tens of thousands of songs were re-recorded? People who were basically dumped were tripping all over themselves to get at the recording sessions. And it, according again, according to this documentary, it was a machine. You would come in and in an hour and a half, it was done. You're done. Go on. Get lost. We got another person coming wow. in. They would do song after song after song. And once recorded, all the mastery was owned by KTEL so they could package these songs and then not pay any royalties to anybody except themselves. So profit was maximized even far more. And the artist could take yet a little higher percentages. So now BJ Thomas is out there. Some other artist is like, well, I'm doing pretty okay. I'm playing small plays. Why don't you go work with KTEL? Yeah. They're paying. Okay. And, and the, the thing about the KTEL album yeah. is that it opened your eyes to new, new music all the time. Well, that's how I found new music. I just spent five bucks and, and got 20 new songs. That's right. Because there's like two people I know on it. And then there's 18 I didn't. This is great. But she ended up liking the other 18. You got it. Who's listening to us? Is it Radio Universidad in Salamanca, Spain? I'm throwing the paper away. You you, got it. You didn't know the last time, so I decided to do it for you. No, but I chose not to say it. That's true. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Okay, go ahead. Ask the question that you asked off air. How did they pay their artist that they did not re-record, such as Elton John? He didn't come in and and re-record the hit that he just had, right? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Elton John had managers, and Elton John was in the public uh, that you could go and use his songs as long as you paid an amount of money. And what KTEL did is once they became large enough, they, and again, this is in the documentary, they did um, negotiations with the publishers and with the artists themselves. So some people walked away with a check to be done. You know, they were finished with them with that check at that time, and other people continued to to receive royalties. I'm sure there were deals where, okay, look, we'll give you $5,000, walk away, let us use your song. They don't own it, obviously, but... Flat rate, five grand, we're going to use your song. Okay. And then other people were like, okay, you pay us royalties for every single song that is that is done. When I used to do voiceover professionally, I could have gotten royalties or a flat rate amount of money. I always took the flat rate amount of money. Because you never knew if money was coming down the road. You got it. I didn't want to mess around with that. I got okay. my check and I walked. Listen to me now. Yeah. The catalogs yeah, of the, all that music. Yeah. Who, who owns it? The re-recorded music yes. is still under the uh, under the uh, auspices of KTEL. As a matter of fact, you can still see it. That music is 
uh, is right now at ktel.com. If you simply go to ktel.com, you can see all the music, and it's close to a quarter million songs. Now, not every single one of them is re-recorded. Okay. But the vast majority of them are, and there are other songs that KTEL has purchased through gathering publication rights. So are they still selling albums? Well, sure, if you want to buy it, you can buy a CD. They'll be more than pleased to sell you one. But the vast majority of their money is licensing to television shows and licensing to movies. As a matter of fact, um, one of the things they pitched is that they are licensing to Ray Donovan. Which is one of our favorite shows. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, karaoke also, right? I don't know. I didn't see karaoke on there. I did not see karaoke okay. on there. However, and this is what we'll end on, KTEL also created new music. They had a person go ahead and compose new music. No, they did not. Do you remember the album Hooked on Classics? Yes. It went to number 10 on the U.S. chart and went up for a Grammy. There were six in the series, the Hooked on Classic series. And then there was Hooked on Swing. There was Hooked on... Jazz. Jazz, Hooked on Polka. Yeah, Hooked yeah, on yeah. what have you. But it was the Hooked on Classics series. Get out. Right. That was composed for the people at KTEL. And was performed by, I believe, the London Symphony Orchestra. Oh, my goodness. How Big time. about that? Go figure. Well, there you go. That's the story of KTEL. I love it. It is fun. It is fun. And I had a lot of them. I had a ton of KTEL albums. And there's a, a, a story that you'll see if you start looking up KTEL. Dave Grohl, not too long ago, uh, of the Foo Fighters, was talking at some award ceremony somewhere, and he thanked Kittel for introducing him to new music Aww, when he was younger. Yeah. It introduced me to a lot of different uh, different genres that I wouldn't be listening to. It was cheap. The thing is, I you know I could go afford a Simon and Garfunkel album, but it would all be Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Whereas if I spent you know the same amount of money, I could probably buy two Kittel albums, and I would have. Let's see, 20 albums. I've had 40 different songs by 40 different people. That's right. Go figure. That'll do it. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Tammy Burns. We should go look for KTEL albums. I don't know why I want them. In fact, I can't even imagine they still exist. I'm Joe Burns, and that'll do it. Class is dismissed. Dismissed.